Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors. And we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Dustin Smith, Dr. Dustin Smith. He's a certified master athletic administrator, and he's the director of athletics uh, for the Greenwood Schools in Greenwood, Arkansas. Dustin, welcome to the program. Man, Jake, appreciate you having me. Honored to be here. Looking forward to a great conversation. Well, uh, as you know, it's a busy time for athletic directors, so we're going to jump right in. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, where you went to school and college, and maybe how the, your love of sports uh, led to that first teaching and coaching job. Uh, I grew up in a small town in Northeast Oklahoma called Pahuska, Oklahoma, which uh, some people may be familiar with the pioneer woman, Ray Drummond, who has a show on uh, the Food Network. Um, I was from Pahuska before she made it cool. Uh, it was a, it's a small little Native American, uh, old Native, Native American reservation. Uh, it's so it's a small little place. I'm the seventh of nine kids, and I was the first of those nine to get a college degree. I went to school at Northwestern Oklahoma State University, played baseball out there for a year and tore my shoulder up. Uh, and my parents taught me that education is lifelong. And so I need to have something to fall back on when athletics failed me, I guess, or I failed athletics, however you want to say it. Um, I had a dream to play shortstop for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I ran out of talent long before that, that dream became a reality for me. So um, I got a degree in mass communications because I wanted to eventually broadcast. I wanted to be on ESPN. Uh, I wanted to do play-by-play -play and um, that didn't end up happening for me. Uh, the good Lord had a, a whole nother idea of that. Uh, so I, I stayed as a graduate assistant after I got my first degree and finished a second degree in physical education. Uh, left higher education for a couple of years, was a youth music minister at a Baptist church in a small town in Southeast Oklahoma. Uh, and then went back to Northwestern Oklahoma State to be the director of student recruitment. And that would begin a 17 year run in higher education. And I was, uh, I did a lot of things from the recruitment side, advisement, the education side, the academic side of the house. Um, in 2005, I went to East Central University as their transfer enrollment manager and got my sports administration degree. Uh, got a master's in sports admin there, worked there for five years, 
and then went to the University of Arkansas Fort Smith as an assistant athletic director for a year um, and then became the athletic director after a year, helped them transition from, from junior college to division two athletics and was newly married, had a new child and decided I didn't have enough on my plate. So I pursued my doctorate and I got a doctorate in education from the University of Arkansas and spent 10 years at the University of Arkansas Fort Smith and then became the athletic director here at Greenwood uh, five years ago. So I um, have a wife who is my assistant AD, has been an assistant AD for me for now um, close to 15 years. Um, and then I, I, her and I have been married. We have three children. We adopted uh, our, my nephew who is 21 and is a senior at University of Arkansas Fort Smith. And then we have uh, an 11-year-old who's a sixth grader. Her name is Wrigley named after Wrigley Field. Um, and then we have a six-year-old whose name is Raylan. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a career. I knew a little bit of uh, that biographical information, but uh, you know, you filled in a lot of details. Um, not, uh, let's, let's say, the usual path to uh, high school athletic administration, but uh, you know, certainly a varied one. Um, Coming into or coming from the college uh, program, I actually uh, taught and coached at the college level for, for nine years, but it was kind of in the middle of my career. You know, I did a lot of high school, uh, then junior college, uh, and then you know, last 20 plus years in high school. Um, what were some of the things that moving from college to high school, what were some of the things that uh, maybe surprised you a little bit, uh, whether it's you know, the, uh, the school environment, the students, uh, parents? You know, what was something that uh, kind of surprised you a little bit? You know, every, every student we have has parents and that's the denominator we all get to deal with. Um, and sometimes the view of parents, um, and I'm a parent myself, I understand um, trying to do what's best for your kid. Uh, and so I think the level of involvement for parents was a bit of a surprise for me uh, because at the college level, we did have some involvement, but it wasn't a whole lot from the parent side. Um, mainly because we were so far away from most of these kids' homes. Uh, but here, this is their home. And so they are heavily invested and I appreciate that. Um, there are a lot more events at the high school level and junior high level than there were at the collegiate level. Um, so that was a bit of a surprise. I knew there'd be a lot of events, but just trying to stretch yourself to all those places and to be all those things for all those people was a difficult adjustment at first, but it's what makes education-based athletics so special to me, just because the community is so involved and there's so many things and so many opportunities for kids to be able to be spotlighted, to be able to, uh, I don't wanna say perform, but I guess that's, that's the best word we can use to perform and to be able to be highly involved and that involvement ensures or statistics show that it really increases their grade point average and increases their uh, obviously their attendance in school because there's something um, for them to be drawn to. So uh, I think there was a lot of things that were different, but the biggest surprise probably was the parent involvement. Mm -hmm. And again, that's to be expected too. It's, you know, the old, uh, old joke, uh, it's certainly not true, but uh, you know, the best place to coach, you know, it's an orphanage. Uh, but uh, um, you know, we certainly embrace parents as part of the experience. Um, and if you can get them on your side, if you can partner with them somehow, you know, all the better. Um, 
in our profession, you know, we talk about the importance of leadership and, and mentoring. Uh, and I'm curious, who were some of your mentors growing up, uh, either, you know, teachers or coaches that you had in school or maybe people that you worked with or worked for? Yeah, but my, my first hero was my dad. Um, and my dad is the man who's responsible for introducing me to Jesus Christ. And um, my faith is huge in what I do. Um, it's, it's, I am nothing without God, obviously. Uh, and so my dad introduced me to him um, when I was young and I appreciate and respect that. My dad's passed. Um, he's been, he's been gone for 12 years, but he's been my hero, my biggest role model from, from when I was a little boy. Uh, and so my dad was first, uh, and then there've been, there've been men along the way that have highly invested in me. Dr. Randy Smith was really invested with me, uh, at the college level. Uh, and then since I've moved on, um, I've made great friends with, in the athletic director world when I was at the collegiate level. Um, but one guy that you are connected to as well as I am is Doug Kilgore, who's taken a lot of time to invest in me um, and, and, and not just me, but in this profession. Uh, he's just trying to better the profession. And so um, those three individuals have had a big impact on my life and what I've done and how I've done things. And another man that you probably have heard of, uh, Jim Rowland, who was athletic director at Portsmouth Public Schools for a long time, um, a very godly man who just went into and dug into me and dove into me and said, I'm gonna invest in you. Uh, and so those four individuals have really been huge in my life. Mm -hmm. yeah, we all have those uh, people that have touched us and, uh, and we can still hear their voices. Um, coming into Greenwood, um, what were some things that you saw uh, with fresh eyes that, you know, maybe they were doing a pretty good job, but you said to yourself, hey, I think we can do better. Or, you know, what's something that, uh, and maybe it's the same thing, but uh, what's something that you think you do now, uh, five years later, that you just, uh, you and your athletic staff, you just really hit it out of the park? Well, I think, I think Greenwood has been synonymous with success in Arkansas for quite some time. Um, and my goal was just to not mess that up. Uh, we'd won a lot of state championships before I got here. And my goal was to make sure that our coaches were equipped to equip our students, basically, to invest in our kids. Um, and I think we do a really good job of that. The culture here was set. I didn't want to mess that up. And so um, I think what the investment was when I got here, I met with every one of our coaches, um, head coach, assistant coach, whatever. And I wanted to know them and I wanted to invest in them as personal relationships with those individuals. I was brand new to them. They were brand new to me. So I wanted to make sure that they understood that I was invested in who they were. Um, and if it was their goal to be a head coach at some point as an assistant coach, then I would process that in my own mind and then I'd set up situations and I'd go intentionally invest in them and say, okay, here's a scenario that I watched in the game last night. How would you have handled this if you were head coach? Uh, and just so I could understand, or I could help them understand the bigger picture than, you know, being just an assistant coach. Uh, so I think what, what I've done is really invested in our coaches. Um, and then in, in the trickle down effect is I also get to invest in our kids. Um, I know what they're going to do on the field or on the court because I'm there. I know their stats. I know what they do. Um, but I want it to be more than just them playing for us. I want to know what they're doing for um, their education, what degrees they're going to see, pursue, what opportunities they may have at the collegiate level. Uh, and so we started our Leadership Academy, which you know about, um, because that was my project. We talked about um, just the opportunities that they had to become a leader. And so 
I really invested in those kids, um, started with a small group and continued to grow that group and just invest in a different group every year. Um, the cool thing is when you get text messages from those kids who have graduated that say, hey, I've got a question for you that I wanna know your insight on, or can you help me into this? Can you write a letter of recommendation for me so I'm getting my master's and I need you to help me get into, this, into school. So um, the investment in those people has been something that I prided myself on, not just our coaches, but our kids as well. No, I mean, talking about the coaches, I think that's probably one of the best things that I ever did at my current school. You know, the first few days I was there, I met with every single coach like you did. And, and I just said, hey, how can I make your job more fun? You know, what can I do to you know, allow you to enjoy coaching and not have to deal with this particular aspect? So uh, the communication is key. And let's go and talk a little bit about your project. Um, we have, uh, I think we have a lot of younger ADs listening to the podcast. And uh, I don't think they always understand, um, you know, the process uh, that, you know, we should go through with regards to professional development. So share just a little bit about your journey with uh, our national organization, the certification process, and you know what you've put into place there at Greenwood. Yeah, that, again, I blame Doug Kilgore for a lot of this because he got me involved way early. Um, and, and I was, a, I guess you could say a glutton for punishment because I just volunteered and said, hey, however I can help um, at, the, at the state level, I wanna help however I can get involved at the national level. And so, Coach Rowland had told me when I first started this, hey, go to the national convention every chance you get. Um, it comes once a year and that's a great way to get to know people from around the country. Um, and so I connected with Doug and Doug got me to go to the national convention. Um, even before I was on the national, I went to the national convention, he got me to do stuff with, um, I'm on the membership committee for the, for the NIAAA. And so I represent um, our section and that was something that was new to me. I was on that level. I was on the membership committee at the NCAA level when I was at Division Two, uh, And so I just approached Doug and I said, I want to be involved. How can I be involved? And so he said, well, here's your levels of certification that you can go through. Professional development is huge, so do that. Um, and so I did my CAA uh, relatively quickly. And then Doug was like, well, it's going to take you probably two years to do your CMAA. Um, and I said, Doug, I'm, I don't mean this to be offensive at all. I just want to try to do it as quickly as I can. I've got a project I think will work, something that I've implemented here. Um, and he looked at it and he said, I'll be your mentor for it. And he looked at it and said, man, this is, I think this is really good, something that you're doing. And I think you can really push that along. So we, we do a thing here, what I call the Bulldog Leadership Academy. And we identify kids from each program uh, and we can start them. Um, as freshmen start identifying some of those kids, uh, but it's bringing in people to talk to those kids. It's setting up individual times with the, with the kids that are part of that program or that academy that I sit down and we talk about majors for college and what that really looks like and actual uh, fits for them that will be at the collegiate level. Um, some of them don't know anything about some of the schools. They just wanna go somewhere close. That's all they know. Um, and it's in the state of Arkansas, a lot of people like the University of Arkansas. And there's nothing wrong with the University of Arkansas, but the University of Arkansas is not for everybody. And so what I need to do is make sure kids understand that perspective, uh, understand there's a lot of options and find what the best fit is for them. Uh, and so we go through a whole lot of things from their, their personality, their preferences for what they want to do, um, 
how they are set up academically here to be successful and how that transitions into the collegiate level for them. Um, some of them obviously uh, have a pursuit or a desire to pursue college athletics. And so understanding the NCAA eligibility center, understanding um, what junior college is, understanding what the NAIA is, and that there's levels for people that are, that are able to be part of that. Uh, and so we look at academics, we look at collegiate, we look at bringing business people in from connections that I've made around the area for people to come in and just invest in kids. And so it may be a banker one day, it may be somebody in um, television or radio, some personality that they may know. Um, it may be an insurance salesman that comes in and says, here's what I do on a daily basis. So it just broadens the horizons uh, and opportunities for kids and gives them a better view of what the world's really like. I think we do a great job of preparing kids for the next grade, but sometimes when they become seniors, they put it on coast and they put it on cruise and sometimes they're not as invested in that next level. And so I saw that here as an opportunity for me to help prepare them for what life after high school looks like. And that may be for some the military, that may be for some a technical school, that may be for some the, the job force. Uh, but whatever that is, I want to help them bridge that gap to make sure that that transitions as seamless as it possibly can be. Yeah, that was a, 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 just a very cool project. I enjoyed being a part of it. And again, for you, those of you listening, uh, the CMA project does not have to be some brand new, you know, ground uh, breaking program. It most often is something that you are already doing with your students, with your coaches, with your school. And uh, it's simply your job to share that, you know, with uh, somebody on certification. So uh, again, uh, we encourage you, uh, like Dustin, to, uh, you know, follow through and get that uh, CAA and then that CMAA as well. Uh, Coach, let's go and talk a little bit about COVID. Uh, certainly it's had an impact uh, going back to spring and, and now continuing with our fall seasons. Uh, we're recording this on September 1st. And so by the time it airs, you know, things might have changed. Hopefully they have changed for the better. But for right now, uh, what's happening in Arkansas uh, with as far as return to school, return to play, and, and what's happening with Greenwood? Uh, we, we in the state of Arkansas pushed back the start of school two weeks. We were supposed to start here August 13th. Um, and the governor decided to push us back a couple weeks to give our, our staffs, our teachers, our school districts, across the state the opportunity to be, be better prepared um, and try to make sure that there's opportunities. Um, we've given kids the option of virtual learning where they could do online learning if they wanted to, um, but the governor was really adamant about us having on-site in-person classes uh, and trying to equip our people for that. Uh, and so we began school the 24th of August um, on campus. Um, we have our Bulldog what we call our Bulldog Online Learning Program, which is our virtual learning uh, that's an option for kids to take. Uh, and so we began August 24th and we have begun, we began the activities, athletic activities, June 1. Um, and we broke that into uh, contact sports and non-contact sports. And so there were limitations as far as what you could do. A lot of it was conditioning. Uh, a lot of it was lifting. Um, and it was very little team activities, uh, simply because 
the AAA did a great job of recognizing there's an acclimatization period that kids may have not have been doing anything since March 11th when we shut down. Um, and so it's hard to go from zero to 90 right off the bat. So we wanted to work into a, a couple of days and an hour a time a day, a couple of days and an hour and a half and stair step that into being able to go full force. Uh, well, August 1st came around and they decided we were going to be able to uh, have team sports competition, uh, at least practice to begin with our contact sports. Uh, and so football and volleyball began to have team contests, uh, say a team contest, team practices where they could actually do stuff besides just lift and run. Uh, and so uh, we played last week was what we called zero week uh, in the state of Arkansas, which um, you can play 10 weeks and you've got 11 weeks to do that. And so some schools do it on zero week and take a bye or a, an off week right before a conference season begins for football. Uh, so we began zero week and competitions for with outside teams, not our own, uh, obviously, uh, last week. So we've hit the ground running. We are full-fledged into this thing and, you know, making adaptations as we go. We've got limited capacity when we have a, a home event. Uh, and so the large outdoor venues will tell you it's 66% but you've got to skip every other row. So my math tells me that that's automatically 50%. You can't get above 50% if you're taking out every other row. And then you've got to have six feet between each family group. So then you're eliminating another probably close to a third of your, um, or maybe a quarter of your remaining seating. So you're about 30% if you're lucky to be able to reach capacity. So trying to navigate those waters of how do you sell tickets and who do you sell tickets to, making changes from no season passes because you can't guarantee that they're gonna have a spot. Um, I mean, there's a, there's been a lot of changes that we've had to adhere to, um, but man, we're thankful just to be able to be playing because our my heart hurts for our spring sport kids who didn't get the opportunity. Um, and some of our kids were just spring sport only kids, um, softball players that didn't play any other sport and they didn't get to have their season. Um, baseball players who again didn't get to have a season we were our basketball girls basketball team was in the state finals um they were supposed to play on saturday we shut down on thursday and so they didn't get to play in the state finals they'd worked their way all the way to the state finals and didn't get to play that last game um so my heart hurt for our our spring sport kids and i think it gave us a whole new perspective of what we get to do instead of what we have to do uh, and so for me i got the opportunity now to just say and we're blessed to be able to play. And I don't want to take that for granted anymore. And I think a lot of times we looked at our calendar and said, what do I have to do today? Uh, and now my perspective has changed totally. What do I get to do today? I get to be at a home volleyball game. I get to drive a bus. I get to watch our kids compete. Whatever it takes to give our kids the opportunity to compete, I'm all for. And I, we're, we've been given that opportunity now. No, no question, you know, getting back and getting the games in, um, you know, we went through some of those same growing pains in uh, Florida this uh, summer and fall. And again, it just let's get some games going, you know, let's not have this turn into uh, what spring turned into uh, uh, last year. Um, Coach, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. What are some of, uh, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What are some of your favorite uh, parts about being the athletic director at Greenwood? What gets you excited about coming to work each day? Uh, first off, it's the kids and just seeing our kids get to experience success. Um, 
and success is different for each person and each program. Uh, you can't just say success is based upon winning a state championship because only one team does that every year. Uh, and so you can't base success off of that. Success for me is for our kids to have the opportunity to compete and to shine at the level that they can shine at. Um, so I really enjoy getting to see our kids and getting to invest in our kids. I get to see our coaches have the success. Um, you know, what's funny about our profession is nobody ever calls and tells the AD they're doing a great job. You only get the calls when they're not happy with what's going on. Uh, and so my goal is to limit those number of calls that people aren't calling and saying, hey, you've messed this up. Um, you know, there are those every now and again, but um, my goal each day is to make sure our kids get the spotlight, our coaches get the spotlight, and we showcase what they do. Uh, and so the old adage, I don't care who gets the credit, uh, who gets the glory as long as the job gets done. It doesn't matter to me who gets the credit. I, I'd rather our kids and our coaches be out there on the front lines and they be showcased uh, than them walking around and say, man, our athletic director is really good. Uh, because reality is it's the kids and the coaches that are shining. I just give them the opportunity to do so. No, absolutely. Uh, uh, I, I was just telling somebody the other day, my favorite parts of the year are those transitional weeks where fall is, is blending into winter and you've got the fall teams that are kind of wrapping up, but you got for us the winter, which is soccer and uh, uh, basketball, those teams are coming out. And so you've got more teams on the field, you've got basketball and volleyball in the gym. And then in the springtime, same thing. The winter teams are winding down, but then in the spring, the baseball, you have all these kids, all these teams, all these levels out there. You know, that's when you look around and you say, boy, I got a great job. <laughs> I get paid. Yeah, it, to, I get paid to come to all these practices. Yeah, I get to watch kids and I get to see kids compete. And there's nothing better than seeing a kid compete, um, to me anyway, just to see them lay it on the line and, and sometimes do things that they didn't know they were capable of doing. And our coaches get the opportunity to help draw that out of them, see potential in them that they probably don't see in themselves. Um, and that's part of my job for our coaches as well. Try to draw them, challenge them, make them better every day. Um, and at the end of the day, Doug, Doug has told me this several times, improve your serve. And that's become a big part of what I do, um, serving our kids and serving our coaches, serving our school and serving our community. Keep coaching those coaches. That's right. Uh, Dustin, we've been asking our athletic directors this question, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, ask it. Um, this past spring, uh, we saw just a tremendous increase in the awareness of social issues, social justice, and, and now you know, here recently in Wisconsin, you know, it comes back again. Um, here's the question. What are some things that we can do as athletic directors, as leaders, um, to do a better job with our community, with our stakeholders in this area of uh, social awareness? I think, I think it boils down to we got to see people as human beings um, and not see color of skin. I mean, if you cut me and you cut Barack Obama, we're all going to bleed red. Uh, and so at the end of the day, we've got to see people as human beings. Um, but we have a job to do to help educate. And education and education-based athletics, um, we say it's an extension of the classroom. Well, if we believe that, if we tout that as what we do, then that's got to take place. And education for our athletes, education for our coaches, education for our community. And it's not what what I've what I've been bothered by the most probably is that we politicized everything. And 
it's not a political issue. This is a human issue. Um, and this is, this is hurtful to humans as a whole. Uh, and so what I want to do is try to help people understand that we're all human beings um, and nobody is greater because of the color of their skin. Nobody is lesser because of the color of their skin. Um, it is simply when we see people as a human being, as opposed to somebody by, based off the color of their skin, when we start viewing people that way, then this, this world will be a whole different place if we just start treating everybody as human beings instead of um, one race over another. Uh, that's, that's probably been the biggest heartburn for me. And I've got a lot of friends that I've just called and asked, hey, what can I do better? How can I be a better citizen? How can I be a better human being? Um, and, and I've reached out to my friends in the African-American community and just said, what can I do as a white man in, in America? How can I help spread the education? How can I help people understand um, how can I help eliminate racism? Um, because whether we want to admit it or not, it's there. Uh, and it's a real part of what African-Americans, what people of color have gone through for a long time. Um, and I think I'm, I was blessed that I grew up on an old Native American reservation. Uh, I'm, I, as a white male, was a minority. Uh, and so when I got to college, it wasn't culture shock for me. Um, it was, hey, there, there are other people. And there were a lot of people that didn't look like me, uh, and that was okay. Uh, and so instead of being intimidated by people or instead of stereotyping people, we just say that is another human being. Uh, and we look beyond the outside, the exterior, whatever uh, prejudices we may set up, and we look at people as human beings. That, I think, it becomes the greatest education tool that we have. When we start looking at people as humans, then I think our world becomes a better place. All right. Some great stuff. I really appreciate you sharing that. Well, Dustin, uh, this is just flown by. Uh, really enjoyed talking with you, but uh, we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. You know, you are an experienced AD, and now I'm tasking you with sending out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their athletic director toolbox. What three items are gonna go in Dustin Smith's athletic director toolbox? Um, it may seem like a cliche answer, but integrity is the first. Um, you've got to operate with absolute integrity. There's never a wrong time to do the right thing. And there's gonna be a lot of pressures to try to take shortcuts. Um, and so having integrity uh, has to be huge for um, an individual and you got to do what you say you're going to do. Um, so I think integrity involves a whole lot of things. Um, I think intentionality is huge. Um, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What we do with it is up to us. And so I don't have any more time than you have. Uh, and so what we do with that time, we've got to be intentional with that to invest in our coaches, to invest in our kids um, and to, to choose to be, uh, I posted something today about choosing to be great. Great isn't um, a choice, it's a habit. And it's something that we can do every day. And so uh, integrity, uh, intentionality, obviously is gonna be another thing. And the ability finally to say no. Sometimes you have to say no. Uh, and so you wanna be at everything you possibly can be, but you can't. There's no possible way to be stretched of all the things I've learned in this life, I've learned more than anything that I can't be in more than one place at one time. 
I don't know how to do it. Uh, and I don't know anybody else that has. Um, and so you've got to have that balance to be able to say no. You, the greatest responsibility I have is to be a husband and, and to be a dad. Um, and I've got to make time for that. Um, and so that kind of bleeds into the intentionality with my coaches and my students. Um, but you've got to be, you got to have balance. You've got to find a time to get away. Um, our profession has seen three to five years as a lifespan of ADs. Um, and that, that bothers me because people see burnout. Um, people just know that there's a whole lot going on. And so for me, um, integrity is huge, being intentional, but finding that balance also and finding how to, how to juggle all those things um, and still be the best dad and husband I can be, still be the best athletic director I can be, um, because everybody deserves your very best. And when you can't give your very best, then you've got too many, too many irons in one fire. You got to build some more fires. Well, uh, again, great, great advice. Uh, thanks again for sharing that. Dustin, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, we've chatted uh, virtually, you know, I think, uh, you know, this past spring and summer, but uh, it's always great to, uh, you know, speak to somebody, even if it's Zoom, face-to-face. Uh, -face. Yeah, Jake, I appreciate what you do for our profession. I appreciate your opportunity uh, that you gave me to be able to, to share some insight, if there's any insight that I can provide. Um, but I do appreciate your investment in our profession and your investment um, in, in what we do to try to make others better. Uh, well, right back at you, sir. Thanks a lot. Uh, all the best uh, this coming fall and winter seasons. And uh, to our listeners, thanks as always for tuning in. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD. Thanks again for listening. Remember, these uh, broadcasts are also uploaded onto YouTube under the Educational AD. You can not only listen, but also watch the interviews as they occur. Thanks again. Now on SportsCenter, union problems? No, Hootie and the Blowfish get their own NBA franchise. Gary McCord drools the drool of Hootie regret into the pillow of remorse, and Don Shua has a bad draft. The Dolphins make me cry. Hello, welcome to The Big Show. Alongside Keith Oberman, I'm Dan Patrick. And as you can see, the world of sports taking a decided downswing in the last few days. You can't stop Hootie, you can only hope to contain them. Dare I say, they're anything but en fuego. They rarely touch nothing but the bottom of the net. These blowfish stink.
And a shocking final threesome, the Blowfish and Freddie Couples. Great shot. Makes you want to hold your hat. Sometimes I wonder if it will ever end. You get so mad at me when I go out with my friends. Sometimes you're crazy, then you wonder why. I'm such a baby. Marino passing to Hoodie and the Blowfish. It's a fumble! They do not go all the way!